my classmates a lot of times were 19 or 20 or 21 year old you know kids mesmerized by the fact that they now live in san francisco and you know and all the distractions and wonders of that and not having that like do or die this is what it means to be an artist experience you know which i think is one of the most valuable things that cuber school teaches just that like the only way you survive doing this is if you're willing to be insane and just stay up all night and make your deadlines I'm Tom Davenport. This is the Low Bleed Podcast, where we discuss all things print, design, and entrepreneurship. Low Bleed is brought to you by Bella Canvas and is a production of The Ink Kitchen. Aaron John Gregory is a virtual jack-of-all-trades, an illustrator, musician, and entrepreneur. His design and musical influences range from Wolverine to the Subhumans, giant monsters of the Devonian era to progressive doom. Cotton Crustacean is AJ's traveling apparel boutique that showcases his love of biology, paleontology, and ancient creatures with preposterous amounts of teeth. It resembles an ultra-stylized museum gift shop, not your average trade show booth. We got together with Aaron on a violently windy day at Pacifica's renowned Fog Fest to discuss his voyages in design, music, and business. Cotton Crustacean, what are we going to talk about? Let's go through, uh, give me a little bit of your personal background, kind of go through in a couple of minutes your life story, how you got here. All right, <laughs> a couple of minutes. Uh, grew up obsessed with dinosaurs and the ocean, uh, prehistoric, anything, any kind of weird creatures. Um, always appealed to me. And, you know, I got a, my first aquarium when I was eight and then just kind of lost my mind with it. Um, was the kid that had 10 aquariums going in his bedroom at all times. Um, but also became rather uh, obsessed with comic books and superheroes and whatnot, you know, right about when I was 10 or 11, so 88, 89, kind of the peak of the golden age of comics for me um, as far as how good they were. And so I wanted to draw all the time. I was reading all these graphic stories, you know. Um, and... At some point in my life when I decided uh, all my metal bands and whatnot weren't going to pay off and, you know, pay my mortgage and, and, you know, give me a solid, uh, uh, simple life or a secure life, I should say, I decided to go back to school. And so I went back to art school and I studied at the Kubert School of Graphic Art in New Jersey, Mm -hmm. which is uh, a boot camp for cartoon uh, cartoonists and comic book artists and uh, did really well there for, did a solid year, but for a number of reasons, I wanted to come back. Uh, the, the most part became, being that my girlfriend and my band were here mm-hmm. in California. Uh, second part, the uh, Cuber School didn't offer a degree, and I always wanted a college degree. And so we had the Academy of Art University here in San Francisco for the same price, full illustration degree, pretty incredible classes, uh, incredible instructors. And so um, the combination of those two things made me come back. Uh, New Jersey maybe let, didn't fit. Let me stop you there yeah. really quick. So this was your, going back to when you were 10 years old, yeah. this is where you found your interest in, in illustration, but you didn't actually start doing illustration work at that point. No, I mean, I was just drawing and doodling and sketching and you know trying to draw what I saw in the comic books a okay. lot. Um, I got obsessed with drawing sharks when I was about nine or ten okay so you did actually start illustrating yeah sure sure yep um and learned the different fin patterns and fin shapes of sharks um you know the caudal fin of the sand tiger looks like this a nurse shark's pectoral fins look like that its nose is shaped like this you know versus a bull sharks like that um 
So I got pretty nerdy into it, yeah, for sure. And then got really heavily into comic books and tried to, you know, take my love of drawing towards dudes in spandex fighting other dudes in spandex, you know. Why not? Uh, why not, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and other stuff, like I was really into the movie Aliens as a kid growing up, and so I would draw aliens all the time and Robotech, and, you know, so it went beyond superheroes for sure. Godzilla was a huge thing for me. So I would draw Godzilla and all his monsters quite a bit. Um, but and then what ended up I, I, I can remember distinctly there just being a point about 14, 15 years old when punk rock became the most interesting thing in the world to me and all I wanted to do was be in a band play bass which eventually led to guitar and you know, singing and everything else um, and the comic books and all that other stuff just went to the wayside um, but then in my 20s I think those first X-Men movies came out and I went and saw them and I was like oh god I love these characters I love this shit so much Where's it been all my life? Mm -hmm. I want I want this back in, you know? And so I kind of like went down the rabbit hole deep back into comic books in my mid-20s, uh, mid to late 20s, to a point where I really started to think about and consider going to art school for it. But it took some kind of like big traumatic events in my life to really realize that I was, that there was nothing stopping me to do it, you know? Right. Um, and the path was clear, it was only me you know, for whatever hangups anybody has for making a big life change like that, stopping me. And I was able to push those aside and say, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go be a professional artist, I'm gonna try. It's something I'm, I was decent enough at. I wasn't always the best artist in my classes growing up. You know, I had friends who could draw circles around me at times, but usually I was like the best guy. You know, usually I was that dude who could just draw pretty okay, yeah. you know? Um, and so, by the time I was like, I was about I was staring at my 31st birthday when I moved to Dover, New Jersey to go study at the Cooper School. Left my girlfriend, left my band who just released a record that people were freaking out about, you know, kind of the peak of our career yeah. or hype. I walked away from it all. So you're, you're a young man yeah. at, at that point, but fairly old to be going to yeah, school. Exactly. You're the old guy in class. I thought I was going to be the old guy. Yeah. I, I really did. And I, I remember even talking to one of the directors when we did the portfolio kind of over the phone interview kind of thing. He's looking through my portfolio that I sent in, right? And talking on the phone with me. And, and I'm like, so I got to ask, like, I want to be 31 by the time class starts. You know, I, is that weird? Am I going to stand out? And he's like, well, you'll be older. But he's, he's like, you know, there's going to be older dudes too, probably. And when I got there, there were. There was a guy who was 40. Yeah. There was a guy who was 41. There was another dude that was my same age, you know, maybe even a couple years above me. You know, there was a dude who, like, done his time in the military, got hurt. He's like, fuck it, I'm going to learn to draw comic books. It's the mid-30s, you know, there on the GI Bill. Um, and so I felt okay with that. That was cool. I, <laughs> sure. But uh, I tell you, by the time I moved back to to California and went to the Academy of Art, that's when that age difference really. But but you were there in, in Dover for a year, you said? One year solid, 2009, 2010. And what was the experience like? Did you enjoy it? Um, yeah, it was, I, I feel like 80% of who I am as a professional illustrator and what I can do, I learned in that one year at the Kubrick School. And that's not to take away from the Academy of Art, at the Academy of Art, I learned how to be more of a fine artist. I learned a lot of principles on light and form and whatnot that maybe comic artists don't obsess over as much as a sculptor would or a fine artist a painter would. Um, but how I've made my living is learning how to 
to the steps of an illustration from thumbs to comps to rough pencils, type pencils, inks, colors, you know, file prep and deliver and then having a deliverable, you know, that I can send to my editor, whoever else, or in my case now, it's my screen printer, right? Um, and so and those are the things I use every single day, every day of my life, you know? Um, but I learned a lot of other cool stuff at the Academy of Art, and I also... So, so you're saying all that stuff is what you picked up in that from, one year? From that one yeah. year in the Cuba yeah. School. The other thing I picked up was how to work on no sleep. And the Kubert School is legendary for just brutal fucking deadlines, right? It's do or die. Like, you're not going to go to sleep tonight. Close the door to your bedroom. Right. Don't even look at your bed. You're going to draw all night. And my situation there was I basically lived in a little tiny apartment, isolated on top of a, of a separate detached garage on a lake in the woods uh, of New Jersey, about 20 minutes from the school. So I lived this monk you know, lifestyle by myself in isolation. I could see people ice fishing on the lake in front of my apartment at, you know, early in the morning or even super late at night while I'm sitting there making deadlines. Um, and I just drew through the night and learned how to kind of coexist under that lack of sleep. And all my classmates were doing the same. We all went to school the next day, looking like zombies, feeling like shit, smelling like shit, just because no one's showering. It's just like this rough, like, devolving into high schoolers kind of in a way, but with this work ethic that is decades above where we thought, you know, we were mentality wise and you were getting real world experience I was getting real world experience that's what it's going to be like yeah. when you're working in the yeah. field or running your own absolutely it's yeah. so like I was telling you you know I was up to three in the morning last night just being at the printer just yeah. getting the job done and I've made a bunch of crazy late night deadlines where I'm just this drawing has to go to press tomorrow yeah so I'm it's for that the morning. one year of your life set you up for the rest of your life you got it that one year at the Cuber school set me up for the yeah. rest of my life did you love it at the time or only in retrospect? I loved it at the time. You did? Yeah. And you love it now, looking back. I do. Yeah. I, I love it now, looking back. Those memories are positive. The friendships I made there with my classmates is very similar to, like, we always called, like, trench warfare buddies, the, like, buddies from the trenches, you know, because we were all doing battle with ourselves to make those deadlines, to, to provide that art at that level and, and make our instructors happy, which were just stand-ins for the clients we'd have later on. And some of my classmates faltered; they couldn't do it. I mean, what would describe a, a typical assignment? What, what was it like? Um, a typical assignment at the Kubert School would be: here's a three-page narrative script, draw, and you've got from now to uh, the next time we have this class in one week, right? At my point right now, that wouldn't be a problem. I could I could bang that out and get it done. And and you're saying comic book style. Comic this book style. So yeah, pencils, inks, right. right. Um, but of course, you had to. You're already developing your own your own style at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I and part of my own style that was coming out was overdoing everything and over rendering and over detailing. I was really a hyper detailed artist like Jeff Darrow and Mobius and stuff. Um, I wanted to just get in there and. So I'm just like losing hours just rendering some rocks in the background, you know, and um, and so that one assignment by itself is okay, but at the Cuber School you'd have ten classes a week, <clears throat> and every single teacher is giving you that level of, of work, and you would prioritize which teachers you really want to impress versus which ones maybe you're like ah, you know, I'm not too concerned if what's his name over here doesn't you know isn't that jazz on my stuff. 
I really want to impress Adam Kubert, the son of Joe Kubert. I really want to impress Kim DeMolder, who was the inker on Swamp Thing for 10 years. You know, uh, Fernando Ruiz, this guy who drew at Archie for like ever, you know, he's heavyweights. Um, and so, you know, we'd all just be texting each other late at night, like, how's your project going? It's four in the morning. Like, I'm almost there. Um, it was this camaraderie of like, almost like being in the trenches, like, you know, doing battle. I remember the very first assignment that scared the shit out of all of us. Week one, our hardcore uh, intro to illustration teacher. It's like, I need you to provide a finished tight pencil drawing one week. It's got to have all these elements in it. And he basically was like, I need to see where, where you're all at. And the elements were like, a man, a woman, a weapon, an animal, a building, a vehicle, a plant, a uh, water texture, you know, something else. Like, so all these different things. And when I went to that school, I was like, I don't know how to draw legs. Like, how do you properly draw legs without making yeah. them like that, right? Yeah. Uh, how do you draw a car? You know, I mean, the idea of wrapping my head around drawing a mechanical vehicle, you know. Um, if you had been to, if you'd gone to the Academy of Art prior to that experience, Cubert, right. uh, would that have benefited you? Do you think if you had done it in reverse? I don't think I would have gotten as much out of the entire five and a half years I dedicated to going to art school. Okay. You know, one year at the Cubert, four and a half Academy. I don't think I would have progressed as hard and as fast. So you're doing really well at Cubert, and what brings you back out to California? Come back out to California. Um, I wanted a degree, and the Cubert School sadly didn't provide that. The Cubert School is a vocational school, so three years, about twenty grand a year, but you're still not going to get a degree. You're going to no get degree. real life experience. You're getting education. You're yep. getting experience. Yep. You're getting and wisdom. You're getting wisdom, right? And if you make it all three years, you would train under Joe Cubert in the third year for narrative, which is a living legend. I mean, just is. And sadly, he's passed away not long after. Actually, my class, my the class I was in, they were the last graduating class to have Joe. He passed away after that. So if I had stayed in there, I would have had Joe. Yeah, I, I, I feel I got so much education and real-life experience smashed into one year um, at a, a, a degree that the Academy of Art would never even considered because it would have just burnt their students out so fast. And not to take away from the Academy of Art, but you burn out your students really fast and they don't go to school and they don't pay tuition and you don't make a lot of money. Right. You know, Academy of Art is a massive billion dollar franchise, or not franchise, but a yeah. corporation, you know. The, the owner of it is worth a billion dollars. If, if you're not from this area, it's hard right. to really grasp how large they really it, are. It's hard to grasp how, how big they are. Yeah. The Kubert School uh, occupies a small old high school in Dover, New Jersey, which is a funky little town. Uh, and they own an old kind of mansion, like a very old, fucked up, beat up old East Coast style mansion yeah. that they use for the dorms, which used to be the old school. So they were like in this mansion as a school. They moved to the high school, took that building over and let the mansion become the dorms. And that's it. That is the extent of the legendary Kubert School. The Academy of Art, it feels like they own the, a third of San Francisco, you know. And was it the Academy of Art that pulled you out here or was it for personal reasons that you wanted it, to come out? It was, Truly the Academy of Art, I have to say, as much as I want to say, it was totally my girlfriend and my band, you know, my girlfriend who was now my wife and mother of my two children and everything else. Um, it, it really was, I, I was so career focused and was very aware how much money I was spending going to these schools. And I, I wanted that degree so badly. 
and you add to the pot the fact that I'd then be, be able to be with my girlfriend again and be able to be with my band. Um, it, it was a little too hard to resist. I mean, once once I discovered the Academy of Art and went through their website and saw the classes and the program, there was no turning back, you know. And uh, I had some, like, kind of heartbreaking conversations with some of the dear friends I was making at the Cooper School that, hey, I'm not going to be your second year. It sucked, you know. Yeah. It was hard. I'm still in touch and very much, you know, love all those people and they're a big part of my life. But um, it, was, it was kind of a hard breakaway for sure. But I... I finished that year out huge. I mean, the teachers were all really impressed, and I, I went as hard as I did to the very end. And even my classmates were like, why are you trying so hard? You're not going to be here next year. And I'm like, dude, because it's the Cubert School. Yeah. You know, I'm not walking away because it's too hard. I'm walking away because it's not the right fit. Yeah. So, I mean, I crushed it there. I, I did really good. Um, and ultimately, that drive to succeed there was coming from within you. Yeah. Hence why you've, you've started this business. And Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so you, you go to the um, Academy of Art. Right. So I moved back to San Francisco um, and moved in with my girlfriend. And that summer, in between my Cubert year and Academy of Art, is when I did my first true uh, cotton crustacean drawing. It's my first trilobite drawing that would then kickstart the whole company. Um, so that was kind of an important moment right there. Like I already had the seed that I wanted to do some kind of a t-shirt company going forward. Um, I started the Academy of Art and I took as many classes as they would let me, you know, because I was used to 10 classes a week, 10 separate different classes a week, two a day, uh, in person at the Kubert School. Academy of Art full-time, like most colleges, was basically like four classes, you know, would be 12 units. Um, I went as hard as I could and and kicked ass and it, it, so much of that is because of my training from the cuber school you know i came in like a warrior willing to uh willing to stay up all night and you know i was also 32 at that point so i'm a 32 year old man spending his own money to be there and willing to stay up all night to make those deadlines and my classmates a lot of times were 19 or 20 or 21 year old you know kids mesmerized by the fact that they now live in san francisco and, you know, and all the distractions and wonders of that and not having that, like, do or die, this is what it means to be an artist experience, you know, which I think is one of the most valuable things that Cuber School teaches. Just that, like, the only way you survive doing this is if you're willing to be insane and just stay up all night and make your deadlines. Otherwise, it's just going to be a hobby, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but, so I did create... Uh, I, I, I won a bunch of like best of spring show kind of things, you know, and got into a bunch of those things. Definitely, I had uh, a lot of the, the younger students looking up and being like, wow, man. And by that point, my t-shirt company was kind of going off, you know, starting, and I was able to show published product I was bringing in and kind of bragging about in my class demonstrations. And so they started to be like, oh, this guy's got his shit together. So He's you actually work. started Cotton Crustacean while you were at the Academy of Art? Yeah. Yeah. At what point in, in your time? Uh, so the first drawing was done before I started there. And then that first design was sold at my band's shows as a separate thing. Uh, this is the story I was telling you earlier where um, my band would always, of course, sell shirts at shows. I decided to put a shirt out there that didn't have the band's name on it to see if it would sell. 
um, pretty much unrelated in every aspect except for maybe illustration style. So you have all, all your band merch at the merch yep. table. All and giant squints. And then stuff. you throw in this cotton crustacean. Yeah, this random trilobite yeah. shirt. And everybody would ask, what is that? I like it. I'll take it. And um, that showed that there, for me, was a market where I could convince somebody to buy just a drawing on a shirt without having to tie in a band name. Um, and so that started 2000, uh, late 2010, and then we did the Kickstarter in 2012 um, to fully launch the company with a whole line of shirts. Um, and I graduated, graduated uh, 2014. So by that point, yeah, we've been doing big craft shows. We Fog Fest, which we're at right now, um, going for it in, in a big way, you know. Um, and my classmates were seeing that. You know, they were seeing that I was out there hustling that hard. Um, and you're playing music throughout this whole experience, The whole thing, right? the whole time I was in Giant Squid, yeah. yeah. Um, who called it quits, ironically, after I was kind of done with school. I also had my first daughter uh, within the second year of my time at the Academy of Arts in 2011. Yeah, which added a whole level of craziness, <laughs> right? Yeah. But you know what helped was, uh, you know, when you have a when you have a child, you're going to be up all night. You're going to be doing the feedings and all the kind of stuff, and giving them the bottle and whatnot, and helping relieve mom. My training at the Kubert School to stay up all night, in addition to wanting to stay up all night to make my deadlines in the Academy of Art, had me already awake and willing to like help with the kiddo, you know, which gave my 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 girl a break and having to get up all the time um so it just it kind of worked you know as crazy as it was as sleep deprived as i was all the time that's for as gray as my hair was going as quickly you know uh it worked yeah it was cool bella canvas if you don't know who they are you should they produce some of the softest fabrics out there smooth print friendly substrates whether analog or dtg it's a decorator's dream Tees, tanks, fleece, and crop tops, this is fashion-forward apparel of distinction, designed in L.A. And they put out a ton of educational content as well. Check out their website, bellacanvas.com, or their YouTube channel to find decorating resources, business advice, and design inspiration. And that was, I'm sure, you know, the, 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 higher, the higher purpose, higher sense of motivation yeah. helped you through it as well. Yeah, that's because... right. And now I had a child. And you can't screw around. I can't screw around. I'm, I, I'm doing this right because I want to be hired or, or even just working by the time I'm done, yeah. you know? And that's really nerve wracking because it's hard to make a living as an artist. It's like one of the biggest challenges you can set up for yourself. Even when I was getting published, even when I was getting, you know, when the publisher was sending me a box of books that I illustrated and I'm looking at them, I'm still going like, ah, oh, but how, is it, how am I really going to make this happen? Yeah. Should I work at Home Depot too? Like, and part of that, I, I was working at an auto garage the whole time, mopping floors, cleaning toilets, changing oil. Um, I was really into Saab cars, so this was a Saab repair shop that I was happy to be at, you know, but it was still just schlep work. And then I was working part-time as a professional scuba diver at the aquarium while getting through school. How many hours a day were you putting in? Uh, I was working five days a week. You know, basically nine to five at the at the jobs, coming home, dealing with the family and the kiddo, and then homework. You know, um, and I, I would leave those jobs to go to the class, so I would be able to leave the you know the auto shop for three hours to go hit the class over here. Um, for most of the Academy of Art period, I was I was working at that auto garage. 
scraping by, man. You know. Crazy. Oh, and then post graduation, where did you go? Uh, post graduation, did, did you in fact find the job that, that a job or a um, job? I, I I I was freelancing already, so I pursued the freelance hard. Um, I was getting published book work through Bloomsbury. I was doing some museum signage and uh, merchandise illustration for the Conservatory of Flowers in San Francisco. Uh, magazine illustrations like Dive Magazine. Um, getting a lot of cool like album art kind of like for bands and whatnot that I was connected to. Um, and then Cotton Crustacean. I was just driving Cotton Crustacean so hard at that point. The whole time I was in school, I was applying for the internships for Scientific Illustrator at like Cal Academy. And being broken hearted when I wasn't getting the callback. You know, I just thought like, surely I can do this, right? Surely I'm the guy for this. And I wasn't getting the calls back. I didn't get the internships. And then I would continue to apply for, you know, graphic designer positions at the California Academy of Sciences or illustrator positions over here or whatever. Um, and most of it didn't pan out. And the competition was just fierce. There's always someone better. And in San Francisco, there's 10,000 people better. You know, um, I, and are, are those positions sought out? Um, are are those well-paying positions, or is it more that there's an extreme notoriety if you're if you're a yes, you know, graphic uh, designer? At the yeah, the, 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 the later it's, yeah. it's it's the notoriety of being the graphic designer or scientific, you know, in-house scientific illustrator. Ostensibly, that's going to lead to bigger and better positions. There you go. Beyond that, right, yeah. right, because. Okay. Cal Academy, for as, as wonderful as it is, you know, it's maybe not as quiet, doesn't have the notoriety and the fame that uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium's got. Sure. So that would be the stepping stone, right? Um, or to wherever else, you know, Scripps Institute. So I was doing more aquarium work towards the end of my time at school, doing aquarium maintenance on people's aquariums and like, you know, or like corporate, corporate like giant reef tanks at like Bloomberg, right? And I was doing that schlep while going to school and continue to do that to keep myself alive out of school while chasing the money freelance wise and applying to all these art jobs and i had a lot of really really close calls i mean even just recently in the last couple of years before i'm before i got what i have now you know getting at the interview table at industrial light and magic and talking to those people and talking to the guy who did the the uh concept art for like dress park you know and i'm sitting there like dying because I want to be such a part of that you know but knowing that there's 300 other people coming in after me to interview for it too you know yeah. and uh, and willing to take these really entry level positions just to get my foot in the door in the art department of a place like that and what started to happen especially in that job in particular they were like you're overqualified because I'm bringing in a pile of published work I'm bringing in books and record album covers and shirts and all this cool stuff and they're like wow man this is really impressive you're overqualified like why would you want this entry-level position here and you know for a guy like me with two kids at this point and a mortgage in the bay area and needing my own health care and everything else i'm like practically leaping over the table to grab this guy by the shirt and be like because it's industrial light and magic and you guys make star wars stuff and in the marvel universe and it's the art department for that like why wouldn't i want you know um and in those interviews, that could be hard because you can't show that kind of desperation. You can't he's, show that kind he's of. He's on the inside, and it's. Yeah, I'm sure it's taken for granted. It's totally, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. They forget how hungry people are. I mean, just 
in anything, it's kind of like, how dare you even ask that question? Like, why do you think I'm here? You know, why do you think I'm here and I'm not at Home Depot getting the assistant manager job? You know, I'm not going to Whole Foods and getting the, the sign painter job. Surely I could do that. You know, it's full time. I'm sure they got benefits. You know, I'm here because it's this high level. And so I had those close calls. I've had those moments. Um, and it finally panned out for me, for sure. I mean, my freelance career has been great. Um, Conquer Station is getting bigger than ever, which has been really fantastic. And I think it's closer than ever to be my absolute full-time thing. Um, but I started teaching as well at the Academy of Art. So I teach illustration there. Currently. Currently, yep. Yeah. I teach online uh, college classes and also pre-college classes for high schoolers trying to get a taste of what college life will be. So we've got a cool program where high schoolers can take those college-level classes for free. Um, and there's incentives to try to get them to sign up at the Academy later, of course. But... Uh, and then I teach undergrad history of American comics. It's like liberal arts history class. And I'm teaching like digital media and digital photography class right now. Um, some other cool stuff. How does your music inspire your art or vice versa? How does the art inspire the music? The um, art, I should say. I, I, there's actually maybe a three part to that question. Because there was, there was my biology work as kind of an aquarium biologist in history in the aquarium industry. And then there was my music career, and then my art career came in. And they all ended up intertwining in many ways. So the science, the marine biology part influenced the band to where my band was called Giant Squid and used uh, oceanic terminology and oceanic concepts, like scientific marine biology concepts, to a, as a metaphor for the human experience, right? Um, that's how nerdy, maybe knowledgeable I am about saltwater invertebrates to where I can somehow tie it back to like our everyday suffering and misery and stuff metal bands like to sing about <laughs> um, and then I would do all the art and illustration for those albums so I would do the graph design layout and set up file for the send to the printer but I would do the illustrations on all that kind of stuff too and I would do the illustrations for the t-shirt designs for those for my bands you know um, and so there was this definitely combined the, like, the triangle of influences meeting in the middle for me um, it led to me getting more and more work in the science world and kind of becoming known as a scientific illustrator being what I was hired for mostly all the time I, I'm the guy who draws fish constantly you know when another band like there's this band Helms Ali hit me up to do the record cover they hit me up because maybe because they're friends and they like my art but also because they wanted a giant angler fish about to swallow a guy so I'm the guy, right? I'm the, uh, that's what I do. Um, so there's, there's a, a lot of really cool ways those three things are intertwined in my life, um, which is, is awesome. I mean, and, and I think the culmination of that is I took my T-shirt production experience that I had gained over the years from being in bands all my life, which you need to make T-shirts, need to deal with screen printers, you need to know how to use Photoshop. I mean, Photoshop I learned from being in a band before I went to art school, you know. Um, you gotta make those album covers, you gotta make those t-shirts, you gotta make the flyers, the, the shitty MySpace graphics. All that stuff's on Photoshop for me as a kid growing up. Um, so I, you know, I took that experience from, a, from being in a band and producing t-shirts, and then I took my experience from being an aquarium biologist kind of guy, um, professional Aquarius and scuba diver, and then combined them to make cotton crustacean, which is, a, T-shirt, you know, our, our tagline is a 
mom and pop paleontology pop-up shop and biology boutique, right? <laughs> it's all those things combined. And I'm designing the shirts the way that a band would design the shirts, you know? Chest heavy graphics, not too big, not too tacky, on the front, you know, not the dad type with like a little emblem on the front, their logo, that's, that's cool. I'm starting to do more of those because I got a lot of dad customers, but um, you know, it, it, they look, they're set up and approached like a metal band would make a t-shirt, except I've got a big prehistoric fish on it instead of an indecipherable metal band logo, you know? Um, and that's had all those, all three of those things coming together, the art, the science, and the band experience. So. I think, um, you know, being in this business and working with a lot of startup apparel companies, clothing lines, t-shirt lines, um, as a screen printer, we don't want to work with those people for the most part because they can be very expensive to deal with. Right. Um, and it's a challenge on the other side, learning how to deal with the screen printer. And screen printers right. can be a pain in the ass to deal with. Sure. So that experience uh, that you had, being in a band, working with the printer, ordering the merch, right. you were ready to start your line. I was. And, and how far back, I mean, if you would have been set so far back if you hadn't had that experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if I didn't know the principal mechanics of how a screen print is made on a shirt, and the, the art of screen printing, the art of getting that plastisol on the shirt, the way those files need to be prepped and set up. Um, and the art of design and the art for, for apparel. Yeah, it's very art, different. Yeah, you're, not, you're right, you're right. It's not and, like designing for the web. Right. Yeah. And, and I was still learning lessons, you know, um, but some of those, most of those lessons I learned. So when, for example, when Giant Squid finally decided to invest enough money to make hoodies, we used the same graphic we'd always use on t-shirts. And we did zip up hoodies. And the graphics is a symmetrical Medusa sea star drawn by Ernst Heichel, the famous biologist illustrator. And I wanted the very center of the sea star to be on the zipper. Like anyone would, you want it centered, right? And that can be hard as things shift around and you know the screen printer is coming down and doing the thing and so the it being off center here and there was something I, I had to force myself to live with just be okay with that but what I didn't think about is the band's name the logo of the band is underneath this Medusa Sea Star and so it makes for a pretty tall graphic and on a large extra large 2x hoodie no problem it's going to fit really nice but when we start getting into you know these mediums and small American Apparel hoodies, that logo, that band name, starts to land onto the seam of the pockets of the hoodie, and it starts to land in all these other weird locations, and it looks like shit, right? It doesn't look right. I mean, it's like you can't read the band name because it's on the fucking seam, <laughs> and you know, <clears throat> and so that was a lesson I had to learn that a, I need to think about those kind of things, or I'm going to lose a lot of money producing a bunch of shit I won't be able to sell. Um, but also, like, I also need to work with screen printers who are going to call that shit out and help me when those when it, when it, maybe I'm missing the mark on that stuff and be like, hey, dude, your graphic's too big for this garment. I suggest doing this. Because yeah. he knew I hadn't thought of that, you know. And, and I went on to give that screen printer tens of thousands of dollars of business when I started my T-shirt company. Yeah. You know, because I trusted him in that way, you know, so...
Yeah. It's, uh, I think people underestimate how collaborative the process is between the designer and the printer. Absolutely. And then in a lot of, uh, you know, depending on, on, on uh, the business relationship as it's set up, very often there's a middleman in between the designer and the printer right. who, who doesn't want the designer to talk to the printer and vice versa. Right, right. Uh, I find that when the, when the printer is dealing directly with the designer is when when you get the best results. You ultimately. do, absolutely, yeah. But yeah. you're going to take it a step for, further, uh, as we were talking about. Can you talk about your, your plans with cotton crustacean and really kind of turning it into your main business and bringing production in-house, literally in-house? Yeah, uh, yeah, right, <laughs> literally in-house. Uh, we're lucky enough that we own a little tiny house by the coast in Pacifica, California, where we're sitting right now, about two blocks from the ocean, and our house is a uh, old commercial building essentially it used to be a real estate office used to be an answering service old school like punch the cables in and you know we we're living in it and the city is cool with that the city would love to see it go back to commercial and that's great because we would love to have a commercial business um we would love to open a store that's always kind of been the the mega dream of the company to have our own storefront um when i was about 22 i convinced my aunt to go in with me and buy a tropical fish store in Sacramento, which is insane. Um, so here, we have the opportunity to possibly have another store um, and not have to pay someone else rent for it, be completely in control of it, which is such a, a, a rarity to be able to do in the Bay Area where you know real estate is a premium um, and landlords can be a little savage. And so, the idea here being, uh, we're gonna try to raise our whole house up, a whole story, and put a store in the bottom, um, and live above it, and it would be a dream come true. And in doing so, we'd have our retail store in the front, and then we'd have enough room to have a shop in the back where we could have a single manual press screen printer, and I would learn how to produce at least some of these shirts, you know? Uh, and what would be great about that is it would enable me to experiment with designs. So I could do a drawing of a really strange Cambrian era animal, like a Opabinia, which is like this thing that looks like it's out of Star Wars. It looks made up. And it'd be so cool. And you can't get a shirt of one anywhere, but I could draw one and I could print it right here in my own in-house, literally, put it out for sale in the, in the, in the shop, take it to, you know, to the arts and crafts pop-up shop events, see what, how, it, how it does. And if it doesn't do good, it's okay. I only printed up 40 of them or 50 of them. You know, I didn't have to meet some high number demand or minimum with a screen printer. It would also enable me to experiment with colors in a way that I'm always a little nervous to do because at the end of the day, I don't have control over the process. Most of my printers will always send me a photo press check as we're doing stuff. And I'll say, hey, can you mute that? Can you tone that? Can you tint that? Try to get the colors in there to sit better. You know how I have it in my head. Um, but if I can have a hands-on control of mixing the colors myself, and this is coming from a guy who can, you know, I can paint. I can, I'm an oil painter, I'm an acrylic painter. And you want to make finite adjustments. You want to kind of mm -hmm. have it, it should be an iterative process. Right. And when you're working with somebody else. Yeah. There's only so much. You're always, you can only push somebody else There's so only far. So you much. can't right. push somebody else as far as you'll push yourself. Right. right. I always feel that like I have one totally accepted first request, right? Can you mute that one? And that's kind of it, unless they go too far. And then I can kind of play the like, oh God, man, you went way too far. And then I could probably get them to back it up <laughs> and really hope that when they back it up, it gets within that ball, that bullseye, or at least that target zone, you know? 
Um, but you're right. You can't sit it's, there. It's always going to come down to it's good enough. It's going to have to be good enough. You're going to have to live with it. You know? But you're not going to get to perfection yeah. as you could if you were doing it yourself. Right. So by the time this is all said and done, you have complete control over the design. This yep. is you. Yep. That's coming from you. Yep. You I'm, have, I'm buying the blanks you myself. And, right. Control of the supply chain. Uh-huh. You have control yep. of the production. Yep. And you have control of the distribution. I have control of the distribution. Yeah. 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 And that would be the ultimate, you know, for me. And I think we'd be, we'd be firing on all, you know, cylinders at that point. That'd be, that'd be ideal. So, we'll see. Aaron, thanks so much for sharing your story. Yeah. Um, we're going to go see your band play in a little bit. Hell yeah. Who are we going to see? Squalus? Squalus. Yep. My strange Jaws-themed sledge metal band.